Hey there, film fans. I'm Jeff. I'm Dave. And I'm John, and welcome back to The Love of Cinema, the pod in which we'll challenge one another to discuss movies, both new and old, with a strictly positive critical eye. That's right. And to avoid lazy negativity on our behalf, we have decided to make this a little bit of a drinking game. There must be consequences. So very simply, the game is anytime we say anything negative at all about anything, you're going to hear this sound. That sound means that we have to drink, and we hope you drink along with us. That's right. So we're going to take an obligatory shot at the start of the show to get a little warmed up. So pour yourselves a glass, guys. We're going to talk about a film. Does it says, please don't give me any more love. I'm still sore from the love I got at the BAFTAs. Cheers. Jesus Christ. Well, okay. We might as well mention the BAFTAs. So this was nominated for nine Oscars, which I don't know if it was surprising or not. It's sort of Netflix's big, um, it was their big push this year. They have a couple other films too, of course, but like this was obviously, it's like their baby, so much money. And they are nominated for nine Oscars. They were nominated for fucking 14 BAFTA awards. And they won seven of them yesterday, including Best Director, Best Cinematography, Best Picture. No acting nominations, and they got 14 without acting nominations. I, I, fact, I, only- bought, I bought this up uh, just on a whim. I didn't know Jeff had stats locked and locked and loaded, but... Baptist, baby. Well, here's bet. the thing about the bat. This is what happens with the Oscar season. A couple of war, you got Critics' Choice, you got Golden Globes, and all of a sudden, the same people win both of them. You just assume that they're going to win. And then the Baptist come along and goes, guys, fuck you all. Everybody over across the seas. You know what? We liked yeah. Austin Butler. I, I don't know if I would have voted for him. He's fantastic in the movie. But they were like, fuck it. Best supporting actor, Barry Keoghan. We like him. He's ours. Give it to him. You know? Hey, Kwan, you did an amazing job, but give it to the give it to Barry and it's like they just they just they blew up the whole game I thought it was really fun but anyway they loved this movie BAFTAs actually so they have nine Oscar nominations um everything everywhere all at once has 11 but has four acting nominations which I think is great we love acting in movies yes. but essentially this the, uh, you you thought it was going to be Top Gun versus Avatar for all the production awards I don't know anyway we'll talk mm. about the actual movie how you guys doing today good good you know I'm doing great we man. were I uh, actually, the, we got an interesting stat this week uh, that we yeah. were charting in the Philippines. Yes, and I actually looked it up because it said yeah. we were in the top. We were in the top one hundred, and then I got the report email this week that says, oh, you know, look back on the week, and it said show history. So I clicked on show history, dude. We were number eight in the Philippines. What? When? A couple of weeks ago. We did, but what we didn't do a show fuck? last week, so now we're number one hundred and twenty. <laughs> Yeah, we did do a show last week. We dropped the fucking hundred clicks. Can't take Wait. your after ball, kids. We were number eight in the Philippines what, for what, film and what TV. What movie were we talking about? Well, what could we have possibly been talking about? Uh, it happened around After Sun. After Sun. I know. What? I think it was a bit before that, but like it was around that time. I don't know what we Dude, did before. Are you that, saying that we need to go do? Do we need to go to Manila and do a live show? Because let's fucking go. <laughs> it sounds like we. That is hilarious. Are you yeah. serious? How is that even a thing? I know. Well, I was, we love you, Philippines. Yeah. Hashtag Philippines. We love, love the us, Philippines. Philippines. Yeah, in the Keep show notes. Say them again, Philippines. Go it in the show notes, <laughs> dude. Um, that is so funny. Philippines. They love. They love movies. They love talking. They love movies. Love movies. And constructively about no, movies. Thank you. We love that. Um, also, if you're new to yeah, our episode, you. if you're new to our podcast, welcome. Again, we try to keep it positive. That's the name of the game. While we talk about shit, we've seen a lot of the Oscar movies, but we also see a lot of fun movies. We saw Megan. John didn't want to, but we did. We saw Missing. <laughs> he didn't want to, so he didn't. <laughs> and he, was sus- he was suspiciously <laughs> busy that My day. brother, this weekend, 
had a family weekend down in uh, Southern California below uh, Los Angeles. And my brother was like, have you seen Missing yet? Big fan of the show. Guy writes some really great music. Maybe you've heard of him. Dasein. Dasein. Uh, and he was like, dude, have you seen Missing yet? And I was like, no. He said he actually really, really enjoyed it. He thought it yes. was like a yeah. good thriller. And he said, you know, you guys, he listened to your review as well. He appreciated that and agreed with that. And I just, I feel like I Fuck really yeah. need to see it now. I told you I saw some of it over the summer in bits and pieces at the post place I was working, but I need to check it out. <laughs> Insider info. Yep. Dasein should have been on our show. We should have had him stand in. We, as long as I we keep have trying one to say get him, he will not. He's literally <laughs> listening to this. Brandon, come on, dude. Just, just get on the show, dude. Come on, Brandon. Come on. Brandon. <laughs> Brandon. One of one of Matt and Mark movie shows first Patreon subscribers. Dasein, thanks for all your music. Is um, it time if, for us to hit up a Patreon? Come at us, folks. Is it time for us to hit up a Patreon, or do you like how free and? And slutty we are that we just give ourselves out to whoever wants to listen anywhere around the world for free. Should we start yeah. a Patreon? Yeah. It's like us, love us, subscribe, something. comment, let us know. <laughs> Dave. It's like, yeah. <laughs> Who wants Dave to set up a Patreon for us? Like, come on. Um, okay. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So, if you're new to the podcast, this is the format. We are going to talk about the movie, my brother. I promise you. We're going to talk about it. If you're, if you're busy, if you're in a rush, if you like economizing your time on the podcast go in the show notes or just fast forward 30 seconds a couple times and we'll be talking about the movie soon but we like doing this stuff at the top we got to reconnect Sorry, john's been on john's been on vacation we got to reconnect we're gonna be talking about all quiet it's a monster movie we got to ease into this we got to drink a little bit we got to settle yeah. down i got to get my words Ooh. per minute count down a little bit and um we got to get no, to our gripes keep, of the week where we keep your words per minute up because it stops everyone listening to the podcast on two times because i talk really slow so i seem fast but then they can't understand a fucking word you're saying so that's put correct. it back on one correct but fuck you um <laughs> my mom really liked your uh your gripe uh during women talking dave uh i wanted you to know that um <laughs> the was it women talking? Asshole, assholes yeah, yeah. yeah i think it was yeah, the yeah. twitter assholes yeah 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 um, okay cool it's hard to so, know down which one that was <clears throat> Yeah, so as soon as she was saying that, I was beaming towards my brother. I was like, see? We got a gripe. This is why we do see it. what? <laughs> oh, oh this thought... is why we do it? <laughs> yeah. Like, Podcasts okay. matter. I am really excited. Did you listen? Wait, last thing. Did you listen to the Deacons podcast with the director and cinematographer of this film? I did. John? I did, yeah. Okay, cool. Oh, 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 wait. There's one more thing that's really important to share here. John saw this movie in theaters. So Dave and I saw this at home. Yeah, very, like a, very excited, yeah. Like normal humans. And I just want to say really quick, this is not my gripe, but I've seen several movies that I saw in theaters at home. And I have to be honest with everybody, they're all completely different. <laughs> it's so, I, started yeah. Ban I started Banshees of Inishera because I, I voted as my favorite movie of the year. And I've had a couple people say, it's like, really? It was darker than it was funny. And I was like, okay, maybe you just thought it was going to be in Bruges. And then I, I pushed play on it on HBO Max. And it was like, watching it by yourself and it's clearly different about experience. like loneliness and the music yeah. is different and i'm just like by myself it's like it was a harder two hours to get through than i than it, in the theater it was like fucking great i wanted to live there forever but so everybody who listens to our podcast we should be clear we usually see these movies in the theater and that's why we praise them yeah. a lot more than apparently people who see them at home but john saw this one in the theater we saw this at home i wonder <laughs> i feel oh, this might be that movie that really works yeah. in both totally we'll see i have I'm a question, I have a question about, about that because I, yeah sure all right. Well, I've been chatting enough here. So, um, any other anything else you want to share before we get into our gripes of the week, you two? Nope. All right, Dave. You have a gripe? No. Let's yeah, I do. Do it. All right. Set that gripe timer. I think we all go. might have. I, I'm just gonna guess we might have a similar gripe this week. Let's hear it, Dave. Let's hear what your gripe is. Okay. So these fucks that leak things on the internet. Mm. 
on Reddit this yeah, week, um, some motherfucker got hold of a clip from Scream 6, which is due to come out in a couple of weeks, and posted it on Reddit with the title Scream 6 Teaser. Thousands of people watched it. It was, the, kill- dick, it, it was the killer <laughs> yeah. reveal from Scream uh, 6. Uh, Literally ruined the movie for thousands oh of people. Oh, my and, God. Yeah, but apparently, from what I read, the dickhead used his real name, so now the studio is going to sue him for, like, millions and millions of dollars. But it's like, what? why? What are you doing? Why are you just ruining shit for everyone just for fun? Is it just for bragging rights? Is this like hacking in the 80s? It's like, I can crash your computer. Yeah, yeah, I've got bragging rights. Yeah, no, you're a for dickhead. sure. Yeah. Stop, stop doing this shit. A lot of people... How, like, people how hard was he when he was that. watching people respond to it, you know? Yeah, yeah probably. Just, what a... Hmm. Yeah. And where is he now? Still the same fucking place so he was with no followers and yeah. Wow. That's bullshit. Hell I yeah. hate them. I hate them. No, I totally agree. You remember that story about when... Um, I believe it was Brian Cranston who had one of the final season of Breaking Bad scripts stolen out of his car. Do you remember mm. hearing about that? Yeah. Because they would not yeah. do anything digitally for that final season. And that's how, de- what the fuck? Just let it, who cares? I don't, I, I've never understood the idea of trying to get ahead of a release. Yeah. It's not, never going right. to be as good as watching it in context. Like, I, I don't get it. I've never understood right. it. It's not it's like, a, it's you, like you remember a, back in the day when we used to like just being share the first to video game passwords? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like sharing video game passwords and things like that. Like while while the game is out, like I understand why there were back channels for that. Never understood the early reveal. It, nobody benefits from that. There were tons of Game of Thrones things like that. Do you remember that shit? Yeah, oh, yeah. so many like Game of Thrones leaks, and I just never, 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 never got it. Anyway, yeah. well, but- good job, Dave. I've got one. Okay, all right, go. Um, I'm speaking to the entire tech community fucking know your role are Whoa. you kidding me with these Jeez. ai platforms oh, yeah. getting out of fucking <laughs> control we as an entire human race need to grab hold of the neck of every fucking person in tech that we know of and just fucking hold them a little bit tighter because apparently this is happening before our very fucking eyes we are all, all reading these articles. I don't know if anybody listened to The Daily this week. That was a terrifying yeah. episode. Twice last I week, don't yeah. need them to become fucking sentient for us to say, that's enough for me to be threatened and concerned. Shut it down. <laughs> Nobody wants this to happen. Shut it the fuck down. There is no future where we are in a Star Trek environment where somehow we use them as a friendly tool and there, there's no absolute threat from that. I just, I just don't believe that's the case. It's scaring the hell out of me. We're all just watching it like it's entertainment, and we need to mm. stop, stop it right fucking now. Jesus, I, I for one, am I alone here? Are you guys not creeped out by this? this is... <laughs> Dude, I was, I was creeped out when they asked it. Did it have a plan for world domination? And it gave them its plan for world domination. And then they say, but what if you don't have access to the internet? And it had this detailed plan about how it would blackmail people to give it access to the internet. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that is enough. Because this, 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 this is what I keep reaching, you guys. And look, Delete. somebody fucking comment on this and tell me if I'm an idiot and I don't know what I'm talking about. But whenever you get into things like that and they say, no, it's just based on word prediction. When you start walking these things down a rabbit hole far enough to where their word prediction becomes what we refer to as humans as speculation, that's enough for me. <laughs> that's what I would do if I did have that thought. Yeah. That's that's fucking fine. Jeff, are you not freaked hmm. out, dude? I know you listen did to the Daily. That episode did you see, terrified me. Did you see the story of the um, professor who found a? He basically had a an assignment, a writing assignment handed in, and it was obviously written by an AI, 
and he failed it. He said it took him 20, 20 seconds to realize that this was written by an AI. And from that point on, after he oh, failed wow. that kid, he insisted that they refer to him as Professor Voigtkampf. <laughs> It's a fucking <laughs> test in Blade Runner. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I am freaked out. I think I think we just are. We're first of all, you know, capitalism, right? I, I I'm not an expert on capitalism, but yeah, I know it that is like, fueling it, it's it for a, sure. It's a, yeah. Well, it's a rat race. Because yeah. what are they going to do? Stop? Yeah, it's just a race now. Yeah. Are well, they going to shake hands and like say, okay, least... let's all agree to stop? No, they're they're racing to the top or the bottom, however you want to look yeah. at it. And there's nothing. It's it's off the chains. It's off the rails. They probably they thought this was a success, and so now they're just saying, "There's like, oh, now we just have to rail it in. We have to rein it in." But obviously, at some point, it's gonna something's gonna come I just have to a life. Feel like we're gonna look back. <laughs> Our kids and grandkids are gonna be like, "How did you let it happen?" And we'd be like, "I don't know. It took like two and a half weeks, and we all just thought it was kind of funny, and we heard some podcasts about yeah, it, read some articles, some and then it was pitches. too late." Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and then, then it was just it was game over before we yeah. knew it was even beginning. So I don't know. I, you're right. Capitalism is driving it. But uh, anyone who takes the influence of our podcast seriously, hear me now. We're, we're doomed. Jeff, what you got? <laughs> um, I have a lot. I was going through my list, but um, after yours, I think I'm going to go with an easy one. Right? You're on. Go ahead. Yeah, I was serious. Sorry about that. Go Guys, for it. we. Guys, we will never ever, I swear on my life, we will never be the greatest country in the in the world. We say we are, but we will never be the greatest country in the world until we do this one thing. Jeff Daniels, Newsroom, Pilot, 2014. Okay, hold, hold on. <laughs> no. <laughs> until we figure out how to use stairs. If we can't use stairs, you can't possibly tell me we're the best country in the world. Yeah, come on. Robots I, with AI can use stairs. Do you understand that if you're, New York a, subway? if you're in a crowd, if you're in a crowded place and you get <laughs> yeah, to the dude. bottom of the stairs, your journey's not done yet. There's other people <laughs> on the stairs. Or if you're <laughs> yeah, at the dude. top of the stairs, you don't just get to stop and look around, right? When you get there, you have to just assume you're part of motion, right? And of course, this is the same about like subway doors. When you get on, you stand there. But really, stairs, we are so fucking bad at stairs. Especially when there's a train there, which we've kind of already talked about these in the gripes. But if, if you are the, if you're walking slowly and there's a train there, and then you just get to the bottom and you just stop, honestly, you kind of have to expect to get bumped. And and we're I don't mean like I'm gonna tackle. I'm gonna. Let it I don't mean. Out. Let it out. <laughs> I'm not I mean, saying I'm gonna for, tackle for any, somebody for who is. Listening, this is an like an extension on my revolving door yes. rant a couple of weeks so, ago. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, yeah. but it's everywhere. It's in, it's in it's in Macy's. It's at Penn Station. It's at the subway. It's at hotels. It's everywhere. everywhere you get dude. out and then you just stop elevators. You get out of the elevator. You just. I was at fucking the New York Sports Club. I was at the gym and I didn't even. I know it's ridiculous to take the elevator. This you know at the gym like use the stairs. You're there to like exercise. But I took the elevator and I get to the top. And so we get out of the elevator it just stops and because they never, i guess they were like looking around of where to go just on sidewalks now when oh, oh my phone went off i'm just gonna stop dead in the middle of the sidewalk it's fucking anarchy out there yeah to be fair i think one of the things that fucking... edu- i think one of the things that education can embrace is more movement less time sitting around and talking and thinking and more spatial awareness things i do think that that is something that would benefit us all which would hopefully in 40 years make it'll, it'll help with the walking easier. it'll help with the driving it, yeah everything my Dang, friends and with i the used Australian, to joke about you know i mean the new york had... driving <laughs> if you had, hey, hey, driving. If my you mother, had, what? If, you, if <laughs> I had, we always joke about if you had. <laughs> Jesus Did you Christ. just say my mother would like that one? <laughs> no, I said you motherfuckers can't drive. Oh. <laughs> You're not Drink wrong. Up. You're not fucking right. Nobody uses turn signals. My friends and I used to always joke when we were growing up about the James Bond license to kill, and I would kill people who do shit like that. I wouldn't. I'm Jesus. sorry, world, but I probably yeah. wouldn't make the big picture world a better place. But that guy. 
who stops at the bottom of the stairs with doo -doo, just double tap right and i would just move right yeah. past him fucking pp7 to the back of the head you're welcome everybody else behind me just walk over that dead body do you, do you remember that was God, the first question i asked when i got so here much, like it was like yeah everyone's like oh you gotta be here five years to be a new yorker and i'm like yeah fuck that at what point am i allowed to push these fuckers down the stairs in the subway <laughs> that was the only rule i cared really about like at what point can i do that so yeah, yeah it's like in the old days so where it's much. like i don't know if they did it or not but i do know that if they weren't here this would be a better place <laughs> okay i always tell people who would visit new york imagine there are 10 people who want to move faster than you right behind you at all times everywhere you are you are never you are always in the way of someone just assume yeah. that and you'll be fine any anyone i know who's coming right, here i send them i send them the glove and boots get out of the way video it's it's worth um, a look <laughs> all right friends we have to get into this movie our, our, our fans are beckoning us to get into the episode so yeah please sorry uh well, it is time for us to now officially talk about all quiet on the western front the movie that reminds us why we keep going to war unfortunately um so um little background here this is based on the famous novel called all quiet on the western front which is of course a german novel written in the 30 30s uh, fuck it, i don't know anything 29 yeah and um it yes. was made into i believe two films but there's one a famous american movie in the 30s i believe um mm. and edward berger who or edward berger who's the director of this film is german and his daughter was reading this in school i want to guess our equivalent to high school and essentially said dad you have to make this film we need we should, a german should remake this film a german should make this book and he figured uh, it was it was time so he included a little extra um addendum to the the book and to the original movies which is this daniel Bruhl um, character who is this sort of um He's the head of the German delegation suing for peace, um, who was eventually essentially blamed almost single-handedly for the creation of <laughs> not, of, of Nazism taking off. Um, and really, the reason Matthias to go back Herzberger. to go back to World War and World War it? II is they said they basically thought they didn't lose. It's just these democratic socialists caved, gave us a bad deal. It's their fault because they're weak, and so we should. He was assassinated about five years ago four years after he did this so anyway they added that too but it really is about one young soldier who him and his friends at the ripe age of i think was 17 um wants to go to war despite the fact that it's been going on for three years and i guess they didn't know what was happening to all of those young men who never came home but they were very excited to go to war and then they spend the very big bulk of this movie in and around the trenches on the western front fighting against the french how's my setup that's the movie. All right, so Pretty John good. saw this in the theaters. I, I think I'm going to read the description here. Um, the, the biggest name is that Daniel Bruhl character to us Western um, audiences, but it really centers around the character Paul Baumer, who's played by Felix Kammerer here, who is sensational as a young actor. Really, really amazing. Um, and he has a friend named Stanislaus in the film. So we got a shout out. Stanislaus was played by Albrecht Schuch. So it's enough setup. I'm very curious to hear what you guys think. I saw this twice. I saw it once two weeks ago and once again this past week, both times mm. at home. Once a little bit of iPad time, the second time around. I, I apologize for nothing. Netflix released this. <laughs> I'm going to read the description, then I would love to kick it off with our initial thoughts. What do you think? What do you feel? Spoiler Hi, iPads are allowed at home. <laughs> what did you say, Dave? iPads are allowed at home. <laughs> a young... Fuck me, I keep having a burp. A young German soldier's terrifying experiences and distress on the Western Front during World War One. Is that even a complete sentence? Wait, hold on, let me read this again. A young German soldier's terrifying experiences and distress 
on the Western Front during World War One. Yes. Okay. That is that is a sentence. It's an awkward sentence. Versus a, I know what you mean. It almost wants to be like a tale of a young German it's, soldier yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Or a tale of a young German yeah. soldier's experiences in distress on the Western Front during World War One. As he, while he, you know, I feel like, anyway, whatever. It's possible they took the uh, German logline and badly translated it. Did did chat GPT um, translate (laughs) this for IMDb? All right, we got to get into this video. (laughs) Dave, you watched this at home. What did you think? What was your initial reaction takeaway of? First, I have a question for John. Uh, When you saw this in the theater, was it in German or English? Please say German. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Great. Okay, cool. Because like I started this and it started with English, and the first thing I want to say oh, to no. any yeah, it started with and everyone was fucking British, and I'm like, what the fuck's it going on? Like, and yeah, it was dubbed badly. Like, well, it wasn't badly, but it was like they were all had almost neutral or British accents, and I, I ended up actually yeah, going in and switching <laughs> it over to German with English subtitles, and it was anyone who tries to watch this on Netflix immediately switches to German. The movie is a hundred percent better. Guys, this is their yeah. native. It's the whole point totally. of remaking this movie is to make it yeah. a German nothing, film. Nothing sells because I watched about twenty minutes yeah. of it in English before I realized I could switch it over. And nothing sells better than when you switch that over to German. It's just, it's just a better film. Do they when they do the ADR? Do they do it one yeah. at a time? Because you never believe they're all joking around. You know, when they're in English, there's there's six guys. You never believe they're just shooting the shit. You, it's very mm. obvious that these are these are bodies disconnected from heads, disconnected from voices. A year after they filmed this stuff, yeah. you know. Yeah, anyway. and yeah, sub, yeah. Li- listening to dub stuff, you never really get the original intent because, as well, because it's like it's usually and a different director that, directing yeah. the ADR session and stuff. Exactly, it's usually each country has their own team that will do it separately as part of oh. that distribution's team. Like it's yeah. not, it might not even be directed by Edward. Bur- it's probably not directed by the director ever. So well, glad ne- don't ever glad, do that. Always watch, net- watch watch with subtitles. Mm. Glad um, Netflix actually paid some actors, but but yeah, uh, yeah I will I will say straight <laughs> so up, weird. I don't I don't like war films. Anything that caters the glorification yeah, Dave of war is us about the bane yeah. of society. Like I don't like them. Almost every war film that everyone loves, I don't I don't enjoy them. I don't like them. Uh, fortunately, this is the complete opposite of anything i've ever seen before in the way it was done it, and it's nice dude intriguing, yeah. Good. devastated Good. enraging film um yeah yeah absolutely like i said watch it over swap over to german um the impact is ridiculous like the difference in impact and it, it I, I really like i was a little scared i was like how how graphic are they going to go and they really just walked a perfect balance between like the horrors of war and it never quite got to saving private ryan's opening half hour ever like there was one a couple of scenes that are a little bit gory and a little bit tense but it never it never built that it was more about the almost like his his experience and just the whole senselessness of it and that sort of thing so i i really i enjoyed the way this was structured it was a perfect balance for me i really enjoyed this fuck yeah dude i love Mm. that that was like in Uh, theaters i it was an unbelievable theatrical experience. I mean, you know, we've been kind of joking about this with this movie the whole season, so I'm not going to only talk about it from this perspective, but I'm shocked, shocked, shocked that Netflix didn't put this in a wider release for a longer period of time because this is the kind of movie that that does really, really well in the theater. And seeing it, not just because of the the experience of you getting to... to be to like to succumb to a very large spectacle of war with wonderful sound there was something really powerful about watching something this intense with a bunch of other people 
and that is kind of one of the things you get out of a theatrical experience. I heard this described, and it's it's on posters too. But you know, they, I had a wonderful Q and A after my screening with every department head. They were all there. This was at the Academy Museum, and it was really special to get in to watch them talk about this. Um, and one of them brought this up, and then I, I started to notice it was on some billboards around here. One of the taglines that they use is, "This is an anti-war epic." Mm. And it's so true that it's something that had this amount of money and production behind it. And yet, as Dave is saying, I completely agree that this, I think a lot of good war films should have this kind of flavor to it, but this is a really great example of, especially from that German perspective that I know we'll get into, how can you not come away from this without realizing the the tragedy of the human condition that we have so often found ourselves thinking this was necessary? Necessary. There were hmm. so many times in history when like this is what it came to. And the extra, that extra piece of perspective that everybody who is watching this knows what was going to happen in less than two decades because of this war. It just added this other element to it. And to get that German perspective was was so special. Technically, I was so blown away. I'm excited oh, yeah. to talk to you, Dave, about about how much they did. With with visual effects, but more traditional visual effects with layering and mats and um, really live action stunts and good tricky camera moves. And Dave, I completely agree that uh, the saving the Normandy scene in Saving Private Ryan is, is is a brilliant piece of filmmaking. Yes, it but is. But because you don't stay with with uh, Tom Hanks the entire time, there is something observational about it. And it mm. becomes very gory because of that. This movie is very gory. Don't get me wrong. There was a lot of blood, but because you are, there's a single camera approach to it throughout. You do feel like you're emotionally bound to this young man the entire time, which does something yeah. different. There's almost something more. If, if Saving went, Private Ryan kinda... feels a little bit more gory, this one felt a little bit more uh, dreadful. To me, I was yeah. all I was they on the edge of my seat. And they hit that very perfect midpoint between Saving Private Ryan and 1917. Yeah, and I know, I know we're going to allude to the the, the mm. other recent, really wonderfully brilliant, you know, 1917 World War One movie. Um, and yet, I completely agree. This also had a first person perspective approach with single camera, but I never thought about. In, in a good way. I wasn't thinking about 1917 when I was watching yeah, this. Yeah, me either. So I, I had a great experience, but I you know, I got to see in a theater, a gigantic, beautiful theater, Atmos Sound. You know, so I was I was really, really overwhelmed. Um, I'm excited to talk about it. Jeff, tell us yeah. how you felt your first time and then tell us how you felt your second time. Uh, well, I'll start the second time, actually, because I started watching it. And there's a couple action sequences. By action sequence, I mean children getting murdered, which I, I very shamelessly was texting you guys. I try to keep it quiet, usually with the movies, but you guys hadn't seen it yet. And I was like, I was like, are you guys still waiting to see it? And you're like, yeah, I haven't seen it yet. And I was like, cool, get ready to see a lot of children get murdered. Uh, and of course, I'm exaggerating yeah. the word murdered, but it's but it's fucking brutal. And it does make you feel that way, that these are kids. They have no fucking idea what they're doing. And yeah. and. And it, it it is it is brutal. I, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, if you take a look back at the two and a half hours or so, it was paced really well. But when you're in it, when you're in the thick of those moments, especially from that first, 
you know, they they sort of do this crane shot into I, they, they talk oh, about it on Deacons, but it starts looking down. Oh. It's it's actually quiet, and then as it gets closer, you realize it's bodies, and you realize you're in no man's land as the bullets start hitting, and then the camera just swoops and starts moving as if it's on the ground. And I I didn't even realize I was on a battlefield, and now all of a sudden everywhere around me is just I, you mm. can't tell the, the two enemies apart. You don't know who's on what side. Like genuinely, they're shooting. Uh, he threw a, a hand grenade type thing, and I was like, did he just throw that at his own people? I don't even know who he's throwing. Yeah. Yeah, nobody knows. Know. Yeah, it was fucking. They're all, they're was, all dressed the same, like in Dune. So, <laughs> opening is amazing. <laughs> so it was. I mean, it is. Yeah, from the very get go, you 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 know you are in capable hands, and you know this movie is not gonna this this movie's going for it. But it's also there's a um, there's a legato to the way it was filmed. It's not Saving Private Ryan, mm. where it's very handheld and it makes you feel sick watching it. You're watching this person puke, and then like dizzily you switch over to somebody else who's getting killed. It's like this is very smooth. So it does almost mm. seem like it's like we we do want you to observe. We want you to be a part of it, but also it is like you're on the Jurassic Park ride seat. You know, what I mean, it does. You, it, I don't know. It, it, it provided this really interesting texture watching it for me that I appreciated and. Um, I mean, it really the, the the thing that's going to stay with me is, of course, that it's brutal. But I'm not going to remember the brutal moments in particular. Um, I'm going to remember the kids talking and hanging out, you know. And that's hard. To, I think that's genuinely hard to do. Like even Saving Private Ryan, the the knock over the years has become. And I did rewatch it somewhat recently. And just the dialogue and the speech, it's like it's almost too conversational. It's almost too movie. It's it's almost you're watching a movie. You know, you can you can I I can start to feel it mm. as they're walking through the countryside and they're talking about things. This movie seems so centrally focused in their plot and the story that it's like, I just remember the look of him looking at the pictures of the, you know, when he pulls, there's like the little things, the conversations, the, you know, we want soldiers, not children while they're recruiting children to go to war. Like these little yeah. fucking things, they just, they figured it out. The the costume, the the the, the handoff of the, the outfits that, you know, if you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. It's like, th those are the things that are, and then of course the ending, I'm going to, you know, I'm gonna, I am going to remember it, even though the yeah. second time I'm watching this I was like, God, why am I fucking doing this to myself I mean, again? nobody will think they had a first shit day at work <laughs> more than these guys, to be honest. Like, it's a nice brisk walk into basically 75% death. Like, that, the guy, I mean, yeah. how good is that line where he was like, the ministry, or whatever, I don't know who it was. It's like the military, the, the ministry th gives you six weeks to live. They want to get six weeks out of you. They want, they even said it like that. They're like, if you give us six weeks, you did a good job, but there's no way you're going to make it. There's no way you're going to make it the whole way. Yeah. Six weeks at best. Yeah. Ugh, man. Where yeah. do you guys want to head next? And yeah, I think, I think, <laughs> I think, we, I think just the, just the big point that I do want to make though is that what I kept, Dave was texting, you know, I, don't, I don't know if I'm gonna like this, the war films, Jeff had already made some serious and joking comments about, about how intensive it was. And a really good war film is intense, they're hard to watch. But when you are in brilliant, brilliant hands, there is still an entertainment compelling, it is going to oh, get yeah. the medicine down without, without destroying you. So even if you're like, I don't know if I wanna watch something like that, yes, it's still gonna rock you. It's going to have taken its emotional toll. But it's so well done. This movie is so well done that I think you're going to find yourself at the end with the catharsis you're looking for and not just feel like you watched a bunch of, you know, exploitation of war. It didn't feel like that to me. Yep. Did it feel like that no, to you guys? Not at all. Um, okay. No. I, this was like basically it. I mean, you could tell what was coming from the beginning. They all, you know, secretly join and they all get their uniforms and they rock. And that scene where they're just tearing the tags off the uniforms 
when they first get the uniforms it's like yeah that was i was was like oh and then but like when you get into the nitty-gritty of it it does it eases you through it there's like there's the battle then there's the aftermath of the battle and that's two different emotions and Mm. like I i have a tendency to sort of switch some of my emotions off when i'm watching these sort of films and just like view it objectively and this one got me this one got me good like i was i was was in for the ride uh it it brought you in and it gave you hope and then it smashed that hope and it smashed all that like joy and then it continued to like pour on you then it started to make you angry and after then that then the anger went into hopelessness and then back to anger and it was it was a journey man i went on a fucking journey with this thing and that's that's hard that's hard to do you know the famous um gene wilder thing with with willy wonka where he has to do like the fake limp and then the fall and then the flip and he's like i will only do this movie if i can do that they're like what a weird fucking request why and he was like because they can't trust me i i don't don't want to be deceitful like they they need to know off the bat that i'm going to be deceitful i I can't just you know pull the rug out at the end and feel like an asshole so i'm exaggerating i think i'm exaggerating what he said but that's basically it i loved that whole sequence where you have all of these people whether it's the laundry the the people actually washing the clothes and that just bloody gigantic fucking vat of bloody soaked things the persons the people sewing them most of them are women i imagine they weren't getting paid very much if anything um i'm wondering if they how indoctrinated they were they all seem very straight-faced none of them seem like they were affected by it at all um and then you know he gets the uniform and you know who it is because you've seen the, the person in the opening frames and then they rip the tag off and they, they say, oh, it was probably too small for that guy. And you already know, you're like, oh my God, yeah. these kids are just, they're just getting lied to. You know, this whole, my whole life I it's grew up thinking. Up hole in and it. And we know this. Like... And, and to what you were saying before about it being um, pro-war, I think the director said, I think it was Edward um, uh, Berger, but it might've been his cinematographer, James Friend. They said that like, there was this old saying that every war film was pro-war. You know, that was like the Top Gun worry with everybody on set was like, is this too pro-war? And then, the, of course, the Vietnam movies sort of changed that because none of the Vietnam movies were <laughs> pro-war. But um, in this, it, I always just believed that the Germans were the enemies. But in truth, the kids had, and, and Banner Brothers does this in World War II, but nobody, these kids had no fucking idea what they were doing. They didn't know why yeah. they were fighting. No. Why, why is it that in, in 1917, which the year in this movie, not in, not, not the film, but basically almost the end of this war, they were like, let's go to war. Let's be war heroes. And none of them were like where we are, where we hope with Russia, which is like, are you guys pissed off that these people are dying? Can you please stop sending your sons and prisoners because like they're never coming back? These kids want to go to war three years in and they're losing 40,000 people a week. Like the, the insanity of how they've been lied to for that long, that consistently really fucking drove me insane. Of course. Yeah. You know what? I that. felt it though. Another testament to the to the storytelling, that hype speech that the man gave oh, yeah. the government man to the to people who signed up. By the On end the of stairwell. that, I was like, if I was one of those boys, I would have yeah. been ready to fucking go. I would have felt I mean, like, let's do it, dude, for Germany. Like, yeah, I, I, that I, shit I, they got me. Like, still if that was even. It does still happen. I know. It, I know. Yeah, Europe has like, this like amazing history. The nationalism what, over there is just. We've now had, well, no, but I'm talking about everywhere. We've had three, well, two and a half world wars, um, Vietnam, all that shit. Um, and yet you've still got people signing up and listening to what people are like saying. And it's just like, you, you're walking to your death, dude. Yeah, seriously, we and need it, poor people in America. Otherwise, nobody's going to war because they do it because they get mortgages and they, you know, gives them a And they get university really. degrees. They think it's going to like 
get them yeah. ahead and that sort of thing. I mean, and sometimes it does. But like I've met and seen some people that are just wrecked. And that that's yeah. now. Like well, let's let's get into the spoilers because yep. I think that leads very organically into what some lovely juxtapositions yep. of uh, liberty that they took with the story here. The Kaiser wants spoilers, soldiers, spoilers, not children. Alert. Spoilers are yeah. on. Yeah. We also never see war from the losing side. It's one of my favorite side. things. <laughs> we just don't see that very often. Yeah, that's fair. Iwo Jima, Except maybe, for every single I... Vietnam film. You know what, what I mean? Like, hey, that, it's, hey, that was touche. something I thought about <laughs> while I was watching that. No, no, no. I mean, Edward Berger, the director, has talked so much in a lot of really wonderful interviews about how important it was for him to make this, you know, from the German perspective. And, and I'm so glad he did. He was so right. Yeah. And when I was wrong. One thing I I've never heard him movie. talk about. <laughs> one thing I've never heard him talk about specifically, though, is was there any kind of cue that he took from the the power and clarity that our best Vietnam films deliver as American films? They, they really there is something very special about the the absurdity of what those filmmakers who, who kind of grew up or literally fought in the war, if you're Oliver Stone, you know, were able to bring to those kinds of stories versus brilliant filmmakers who chose to take on a war that they didn't necessarily live through, which there are still really great people who do that. This, just the entire time, the perspective just made it so, so authentic that sometimes as an American who is three generations removed from this time period, you know, at the very least, um, I have, I don't know, it just, it just made me feel like there's this image that I have always had in my head. If I were to go to a war like fucking World War II or something like that, and I get gunned down, I'm lying on the ground, and I'm looking across the field, and not too far Jesus. from me, there's another guy from the other side who might be dying, and we both have a look in our eyes like, what are we doing? Like, just, how do, what are we, what is the point of this? Yeah. This is the kind of movie when there is no, when there is no, um, nationalism attached to it it is the point of it is to try to free yourself and be you know against it this is the kind of movie that just shows you how how amazing this kind of movie can be when it is delivered correctly people talk about how the godfather and certain films like romanticize certain dark subjects martin scorsese with capitalism and gangster warfare and all these kinds of things i feel like i feel like this every now and then movies come along that are so well made that it doesn't necessarily they're not trying to propagate isn't this bad they're just so perfectly made with a with such a specific yeah. attachment to a protagonist's perspective that you can't help but walk away feeling what that person may have felt there is anyone who knows this story of all quiet on the western front from reading it or from watching the original movie there is almost a moment at the very towards as this movie is wrapping up where you think is this going to be the classic war tale of how do we recover? How do we live as survivors? And then it gets taken away from you. Yeah. You realize that no one survived this war. And yeah. I just, I just thought it was so brilliantly done. Um. Anyway. Yeah. Sure, 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 sure. The gush alarm. The first gush yeah, well alarm. Earned, goes to well earned gush alarm. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I think I know one of the scene, uh, scenes you're talking about with the crater, where he, um, the two, two of them get in that one-on-one -on -one fight, oh. and he like stabs the fuck out oh of him. Oh my god! And that's um, and that's and harder for him than the rest of the. Yeah, stuff. but but also, um, my wife was telling me. Also, I want to say, my wife loved the adapt this adaptation of the book, 
absolutely loved it. And if oh, you want to hear book. how what a, she, what a reader. if you want to hear how she can react to adaptations, <laughs> I recommend our Green Knight episode because yeah. that didn't go so good. Well, but nope. uh, yeah, no, she absolutely loved this. But she did tell me while while we were watching that scene that in the book apparently that takes place over twelve hours. He's down in that crater with him for like eight or twelve hours or oh, something. Shit, and Bad. it takes him that long to die. So it it oh, like it, I feel like. I feel like translating that to a film medium in the way they did was perfect because it was mm-hmm. like, it, it co- like condensed his, his dilemma and his it had an urgency. Yeah. yeah. And it, and it was like, it still t- felt like it took ages, but that, right. that was just, you know, good editing and directing. So if I understood the, the podcast mm-hmm. correctly, the book is also partly to blame for the, the Germans basically just overcoming world war one guilt by just blaming it on certain people and then getting that and eventually getting ready for another war um so yeah this book essentially being apologetic they thought was like a sign of weakness and it wasn't german and it was i don't want to say all the terrible things you can just probably assume what they were thinking um specifically blaming the socialist democrats who they also associated with um you know some particular groups of people um but like this it is. It's always someone's how, fault. How, how much better would society be if we just apologize? And how many people got mad at this book and didn't actually read it? You know what I mean? I do feel like, I, I think that's another, and we should also mention that, I know we're in spoilers here, but the parallels, obviously Russia and Ukraine came to mind for me a lot. Um, there's plenty of other wars going on. Right now we have Syria, you know, we, we are being shown exactly a little bit deeper of what's going on in Syria. There's literally one road that's open to aid because of Assad and Russia and whatever. And it's like, how fucking stupid are all of these us, things? The Afghanistan, us and Afghanistan, oh, and us, us, oh my God, Iraq, us, Afghanistan, us and Vietnam, like, and how stupid it is how much we're lying to people and oh, I forget what I was talking about. <laughs> right, it's Can what I was to get about? sidetracked. <laughs> Fuck. Um, you said how the, uh, they blamed the book for oh, but we don't, but we didn't, yeah, but they, didn't, but most of the people who probably turned on it and tried to kill this guy didn't read the book. You know, mm. like the people who try to kill mm-hmm. Gretchen Whitmer in, in Michigan, like, I don't think they actually know anything about her. You know, they just like, this is definitely a movie oh, about, no. indo- this is they definitely a movie about, yeah. this is a movie about indoctrination. Yeah. And I'm not trying to pretend like us in America are better. I'm certain, obviously not, but like, man, that's what this, that's really yeah. is happening. Bring it back to the film. The, the one thing I think I loved about it was because I was, I was thinking about it afterwards and I was trying to think of the one thing that makes it stand out from any other war film I've seen. And there isn't one. There is nothing that makes it stand out mm. singly. It's the whole. When yeah. you put it all together, the way it's constructed, like from editing, sound, all that sort of thing, that that final product elevates itself above. And that's that's a sign of a really good filmmaker. I think you're right. I think you're right. And I think I, I think I was thinking about that too. That like there is nothing singular about the way that they approached making it that made it. A, yeah. a new way to see war, a new way to make a war film. And honestly, as someone who's thinking about um, school and everything and like this pressure of like, God, you got to be the new, great, great, brilliant, totally do something new thing. But every now and then you get reminded that if you do it yeah. really well and you stick to the principles, it will, the sum of its parts will transcend itself. And it can be something that feels fresh and that yeah. feels unique as you experience it, even though there's, there may be nothing completely brand new about this. Like, yeah. I, God, I hope they hear that as a compliment. If they, if yeah. we ever were speaking with the filmmakers, yeah, right. If they go to the Philippines, they'll hear us. Yeah, it's playing everywhere <laughs> in the Philippines. Jeff, to your point, um, just just very quickly, because I did want to bring it up, because he said it on the Deacons podcast, and I would be so excited if they excited might not be the right word, but um, 
um, grateful that they chose to stick with this path. Apparently, Remark, is that his name? Uh, uh, Enric, Eric uh, Remark, who made, who, who wrote uh, All Quiet on the Western Front. Oh, yeah. Also wrote a follow-up novel in a later in the 30s about what, for lack of a better term, might be their reconstruction period in Germany, how they were kind of trying to move on and, and try to adapt as a country post-war with that shame and everything before the beginnings of the rise of the Nazi party. And yeah. he was saying he was the interested Nazis in came along and went, hold that. my beer. Oh my goodness. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah fuck That's you. That's not Adolf, a war. But, oh my this goodness, I would love to hear him make that just to go completely away from all this war and just to sink into the day-to-day life of people struggling with those financial hardships that we all know, again, enriched by the 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 pressure of knowing what was going to happen right after the credits roll, historically. I, I hope he explores it. Uh, I wanted to ask you guys about a technique that I think is thematically evident from the very beginning, and it struck me from the very beginning. They are establishing, and it... It begins, ends with it, and I think they go back and forth with that added element, Jeff, of cutting back and forth between the um, the story of Erzberger and the negotiations that are going on in the meeting place. Contrast and juxtaposition oh, yeah. between stillness and quietness, and well, it all I out, mean, you know, fucking bombardment of war and and you know, death. And not Did just that. that just, could those, you guys those... were you thinking about it when you were watching it? I, th- I thought about it in the in context that in we've, we've cut from these kids dying on the battlefield to this motherfucker complaining that the croissants are stale. Oh, yeah. And, like, I just – I wanted someone, <laughs> yeah, anyone to bomb that motherfucking train. I was, I was just like, can we just kill these fuckers because they're the, they're the ones that, of course, they, they're letting people die while they negotiate or, or haggle over, you know, one or two points in a contract. Um. I, I was I relieved about, that they moved I around because I, I thought I was I was worried we were going to be in the trench the whole time, and I was like I was like I, I really I get it like I you know I I don't know if I could I couldn't I couldn't have done it I couldn't have sat there in the trench the whole time mm. and it's so we had this the multiple storylines and we had the I don't even remember what his name was the the guy who's like the head of the local do, do, was he what is he um was he the general. The yeah, local general. I guess. I mean, obviously, it's it's obvious, but he played it so well. The actor, and of course, he it's really well did. Written, I, but I like, wanted him to die so hard. The way, the way, <laughs> the way he was talking about his father winning three wars. He's like, "What is a soldier without a war?" And he's like, "I, I think he says something like, I will fight tooth and nail until this war is over.'" While he's having someone light his cigarettes, change the log in the fire, and pour his wine, yeah. and feed his dog better than the soldiers are getting fed, he's not fighting tooth and nail for anything, not a single thing. Yeah. And so I think I think they did a good job with that because again, that could be I know it's it's very powerful in the movie, but it really could be very cheesy. It could be very obvious and very like almost boring and mundane See, the way that they by, carried that. By that but point, God, it was so good. By that point, I was all in. I I did empathized with the main character and i'd lived his lived with him for a bit and when we cut to these guys just having fucking dinner and talking about you know while while you can hear the bombs in the background and shit i got mad i got fucking enraged and i was just like you motherfuckers just sitting in your comfy train with you know your first class service and yeah it made me so mad and that's again that's another mark of a good film i got fucking furious I also got Malcolm McDowell yeah. vibes from my I, leading I, guy. So I liked seeing him like in regular life because he, he just he had this weird, he had this like thing about him where he just didn't, he didn't seem like just like a, like a regular old good guy. Like the two guys in 1917, I really liked, but they both seem like 
good old boys, you know? Like there's something about this guy, the way he lied his way in. There's something about him that seemed like he had like a little bit of an edge. And I liked watching him snap and go through. I mean, yeah, we, we go through so much where he's with all of his friends and he essentially witnesses they, his friends one the, at a time go. Where they're on the outdoor toilet. Mm-hmm. just having a conversation <laughs> like it was oh man was like, that was a wow. good scene yeah what, a, what a way to stage it. that I, too so to take the, the goose the goose chase I was really fun the, oh. i loved how they established I, I agree everything you guys are saying too in, in like the meat and potatoes of that contrast was super important but for me i just thought the opening was so incredible that yeah. shot of the yeah. foxes the mother, the suckling baby foxes, yep. the shot of just just very ambient sounds of these trees, these massive, massive wide shots of landscape. It gave me a chance as a viewer, because if I'm being totally honest, I'm not a huge history buff in general, but I know as much as the average person about World War One, which is probably not enough. I've seen the movies that are made about them, but there are not nearly as many movies and documentaries about World War One as there are about um, two. They tried so to I kill the feel Duke. Like I'm approaching it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Turkish and I feel like the Ottomans were, you know, I feel like I should know about this and I just don't. So what I loved about it was that not only did they set up like in terms of aesthetic, but they gave me a chance to approach this thing where it made me think about uh, Inish uh, uh, Banshees when they, you know, they're con- you kept hearing the bombs every now and then yeah. the Banshees would cut away and you would see them and they would say, what are they fighting for? I don't even know what they're fighting for. Uh, you know, yeah. light good, around good those luck, boys. Whoever you are, whatever it is you're fighting for. Yeah. So when we had that, when we cut from woods, foxes, woods, big shot of the bit, and you finally hear in the distance, doom, 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 doom. There was just a moment where I felt like he's going to allow me to ask the same question. Why are they fighting? And then you get on the inside of it, finally, through a, a couple different perspectives. And you realize it's the same bullshit that has ever has existed in almost every war, which is usually dictated by very powerful, you know, rich men. Um, this one, of course, also has that lovely, more complex term because World War II is still seen as a just war because of what Hitler was doing, mm. you know, inside his occupied territories, which yeah. we all agree, of course, was fucked up. This one was truly an empirical line line drawing war. So it's still, yeah. it's always a little bit complicated. So it was just so, I, I appreciate it so much that they allowed us to kind of approach this from it's okay if you don't really know what's happening over there in the distance. Well, we're going to show you that at one, you don't really need to know all the, de- the details to realize that this is, this never should have happened. And then we're going to also take you through these places where maybe through Erzberger's sequences, we can show you that yes, we started this, but we are not defined by our political leaders ambitions. Germans lost just as much, if not more, than anybody else in these wars, right? The people who didn't want to be a part of this and yeah, who were people. lamenting this. As an American who fucking did not want us to go to fucking war in, in Iraq and Middle East, and I'm sure many people who protested against Vietnam, we are sometimes historically defined by our leaders' ambitions. And, you know, Germany is, uh, it, it's, it's been hated on so much. And I was just so, it was just so refreshing to allow someone to, to bring you into this place where you were going to be able to experience the contrast between isn't this fucking intense and war in general is hard. Mm. And also this is how some of us felt about it. And this is what we've learned. I yeah. Don't know. I don't know. But also like as well, I want to say like with the, the empathy that you build with that main character, when we got to the last orders where it's like, there's an armistice kicking in at 11, 11, 11 and 
so he's like everyone be there at 11 we're gonna run one last and i was like i'm almost shouting at the tv like fucking why why are you trying this the line didn't move the entire fucking war why are you trying to take it right now like 10 minutes before yeah and it it was just the guys who were like i'm not fighting and they fucking just shot him yeah (laughs) yeah but for want of 10 minutes and then, guys, and then of guys course, did that really happen? Like, blow the whistle, eleven eleven. Everybody stop killing each other. Like, absurd. I don't know. Did you think that really know. happened? Oh I mean, that's, that they presented it. I'm pretty sure that's how it happened. I mean, I'll assume that is what they said, like in the postscript. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, you're love, right. The uh, amount of distance that nomads, no man's yeah. land, actually moved yeah. and didn't move. It's Co- just a couple hundred meters. Boys with four their years. fucking toys. It really does make me want to just like women. But it was take like over. this. This is this. this yeah. Would this, this have happened this, if women were in charge? This motherfucker so. just set a whole courtyard out of full of people to their death it's, for one of ten minutes. Is that at this rate we'll conquer France in 180 years? Was yeah. one of the lines. And they said, but soon Germany will be empty. No, but you know what's funny? So and, and this got me even more watching the second time because I, I noticed the time when he goes to the infirmary. The first time, when before the guys that with the stabbing of the fork in the neck, mm. oh my fucking god, Jesus! Yeah, Christ. that was brutal. Give him, they just want to give him a meal, and he knows because he knows he was shot in the yeah, femur. You know, he's, he knows he's done. Um, I, oh my god, I'm sorry, I'm just reliving it again. So anyway, so he goes to the infirmary, watches that guy die that like that with the fork, while the other soldier just like eats his food, and then they go and they try to get comes the over and, and, takes, and it, takes it from next to the corpse too. Like yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's hungry, yeah, you know? Yeah. That was so incredible. What a good he goes detail. to get the goose. He, oh, he doesn't even Jesus. get the goose. I, I will say, the first time they get the goose, they had a really good zigzag pattern to try to get rid of the gunfire. They did a nice zigzag approach. That was really, that was class work right there. Mm. So the second time they don't have the goose, they're running, and obviously the kid kills him, and it's fucked yeah, up. Yeah, that was, um, the tension build there was amazing. And, and then he carries the guy so far, and then he gets, so two things came to mind the second time, especially, which is number one, if he just went a little slower with the guy, he wouldn't have been back in time, so he wouldn't have had to go in that last little battle, uh. you know? And so trying to get him to the infirmary essentially had made him go to the battle. And then, of course, the guy dies. But what really got me is that was basically the last of his friends. So he literally watches every single one of his friends, which I think is the point. I think the structure of that was really well done, yeah. where he witnessed every single one of his friends die. And when you're out there running around, you know, you have no idea who's living and who's dying, but it really, I, I think, if I remember this correctly, his original group, he witnessed them all one at a time. But what yeah, really got me is when he- most of them on the first he, day. Most of them were, yeah. yeah. But then his new friends, like any time he made a friend, like you yeah. could just assume that person was gonna die. Then at the very end, when the, he's in that, and he's just his ghost. He's almost like the guy from 1917, where it's just like, he's just completely ashen. And they say, okay, go. The way he turns is like a full on mummy. Or zombie like he literally yeah. he's mm. like he doesn't he doesn't fight it he's done the catch 22 thing where he has come he's gone too far so he is officially insane yeah which is it's like he i turns, can get shot here or maybe get shot there and then he just turns around and starts walking and he's no longer a human anymore he's a total corpse so you, you kind of should have expected yeah. the end i should have expected the, the very end even though I'm there's still a holding out hope i'm sure there's a real some, sense of loss at the some, end yeah i am i have no doubt there are uh, a plethora of dissertations by cinema studies students who have written about whether or not he actually physically dies or if they are just showing us that he he was dead by that point didn't matter if somebody killed him there was there's no life left after you put hmm. humans through that kind oh, of the thing. way his eyes were open oh, was, was taken yeah. so long ago yeah god it was fucking With it was, and, and you know what's sick what's so disgusting is that it was beautiful do you know yeah. what i mean like yeah. The, yeah the film it was so 
it was so beautifully delivered that it, I wasn't afraid to, to deal with that. We knew it was coming. And yet by the time you get there and the, the other guy, the new guy is, you know, collecting these, the half of these dog tags and you, you know, you're going to get to that, to, to Felix and he's going to be dead. And it just, it has to happen. It has to be the full journey. And it was so compelling and entertaining in such a, such a moving and genuous way that yeah. I, I wanted to be a part all the way to the end. And I just, yeah, I just can't say enough mean, about it. We, this movie we really came out of nowhere. We definitely don't mean entertaining as in, I had a great time watching this. I mean, entertaining as someone, they made something incredibly magical yeah. about a how very I, difficult yeah. topic. Yeah. yeah. How, yeah, so how I, do we get you from A to B or from, you know, W, Y to Z at the very end a, when you're just I can't think of a single. I, you know, I can't think of a single misstep in the filmmaking in this. I now I understand why it's up Me for Best Picture. Yeah. Was, and even, even the things that was, aren't on the page really or in the brilliant. scripts or anything, the way that I just thought, that's the last thought I'll have about this, is the texture of the French versus German negotiations. The tension was, you know, completely palpable. It was, it was wild. But the way, the way that the French are saying like well okay if you don't want people to die then sign the thing right they're just yeah. the, the, the look in the guy's face rather than say what <laughs> very easily could have said you started this war you killed all of us fuck you i don't care about you i i hope you all die or so whatever like but he, he just did it on his face and when he sat there and goes like well come on you know so many people are gonna die if you make us wait three days the, the look in the guy's face and he looks down and you have no idea what he's going to do if he's going to punch someone if he's going to start yelling and then he just picks up the pen and, and points it at him it's like one of the most powerful parts of the whole movie because mm. it says all of the stuff that france was thinking without them having to like spoon feed it to us for the sake of the history books i thought i thought it was really powerful so anyway that was the last anything else about the production design i love the fact that they didn't use the color red unless it was essentially death or blood but they tried their best to like avoid it despite the fact that john's theater was literally the reddest fucking thing i've ever seen in my life <laughs> if i cut someone's body open i wouldn't see as much red as you saw in the theater yeah i i mean i i did love that they didn't overuse the the bleak blue tone on the battlefield <laughs> like the, the, the movie yeah. evened out when you weren't in the like you say they went gray more than like blue but like the movie evened out to show like the full color when they were away from the front line and waiting for movement or something like that. Like the normal, normal bits of life that were happening around them was in full bright color as if it wasn't even affected by the, all the death going on, not, not far away. I thought, Anything I think else? I just want to point out that the French that, had um, great food. Oh my God. Their food was so great in the trench. Yeah. Fuck. That was, that was kind of funny. Oh yeah. <laughs> that was like, kind of funny. Wow. These guys are stuffing. <laughs> they are stuffing brie cheese down their throats while they hear gunshots and Honey, stuff going on. Sausage. Outside. Yeah. Unbelievable. And then, and then the rats while they're in there with the, oh my, the tanks, mm. man. Oh my God. The fucking tanks. Uh, dude. Yeah. That whole, that tank sequence was really incredible. I just All want right. to point out that uh, how more. unique is it? Yeah. How unique is it that, uh, someone like Edward Berger. We're kind of living in a world now where this is probably, this is probably the, uh, the cost of having most people work in syndicated, not syndicated streaming television nowadays. Mm -hmm. This is not a household name for film direction. And they gave him a lot of money to make a world war one epic. Is it wild? And his, yeah. He's not a spring chicken. You know, yeah. he's, I, he's got a lot of time to make some really great movies, but he's not, you know, we are in a different environment now. I'm glad he got this opportunity, but it just makes me wonder how many brilliant directors are directing your episode three and four of some show on Netflix or HBO Max. And they could be pumping out things like this that have, you know, are fucking brilliant, massive, well, singular pieces of art. 
that's one of the things with Netflix. Like their their deal yeah. for moving into a country is they have to show a certain percentage of local product, like local content, I guess, uh, for lack of a better word. And so occasionally they do they mm. produce these movies in other countries, and we're getting to see stuff we never got to see because that now bleeds yeah. over to America in an instant. Right. Well, and the director, cinematographer did uh, Your Honor. He directed three episodes, and I think he was on the producing team for the Bride Credits and Show, which I believe is getting a second season where he's the judge and a son commits a crime and he tries to under cover up the crime as a judge. Um, but we got to thank, I mean, you know, the 1899 didn't go as planned, so they canned the next two seasons. But Netflix yeah. is the international pull. We can thank Squid Game and, and, um, and Parasite, but really thank all of the other films that allowed those films to get up to the top, where essentially we, as, as Westerners, let them in. Because that's what this movie was made because it was an international movie. And I don't know if that happens without the huge success of these other international films coming over here. So I, I kudos that, you know, yeah. we're, headed, we're headed in that direction. I love Hollywood. John, you're in Los Angeles. It seems like it's a pretty good place to like be, but it seems like we're, <laughs> considering the rest of the world more than we used to. Yeah, thank goodness. Well, that's mm. it. People, take it seriously. Sit down if you can and watch it. It is worth the watch, I promise. All right, my yeah. friends. I think we can wrap it up there. So let's go into our final segment, which is what you've been watching, where we give you our recommendations of the week and tell you what we have been watching. Dave, we'd like to start with you. What you've been watching? Well, this week I rewatched. Um, Ant-Man 1 and 2, obviously, because uh, we're, we're also covering Ant-Man this week because it came out. Um, and I, I'm i not sure if I've talked about it already or whether it was during the week off, but I watched. I, we just found this British series called Lockwood & Co. And I think if I did speak about it, I'd only seen like one or two episodes. I've now seen the whole first season. It is some of the best, like... I, it's it's a ghost story. It's it's a little bit teen angsty, but like it's the adaptation is amazing from it's done from six books mm. they i think they covered one and two in the first season it's really it's fun it's cute it's scary it's a good mystery wow nice. there's a lot going on and they, they built and cool. yeah they built this alternate world where like ghosts are real and they That's kill cool. people where is it netflix netflix yeah that one came from british cool. netflix british netflix <laughs> nice. do they do they pay residuals i'm kidding john <laughs> Uh, I watch, I am a uh, Jeff. You told me to let you know I'm into season three of Succession. If you want to start watching oh. it with me, um, oh, fuck. so I'm okay. still sticking with that. And um, I watched a few movies. I'll save some for the next episode. I watched uh, Pedro Almodovar's uh, most recent film. I think it was 21 or 22. He released this called Parallel Mothers. Um, as always, worth watching. That guy knows how to make a movie. Uh, Spain's Spain's uh, premier. Uh, late 20th century 21st century filmmakers fucking brilliant and um um god damn it what is her name uh she's <laughs> she's in so many penelope cruz. of his things uh penelope cruz is is in this once again she's been in a lot of his movies um it's worth watching if you're if you're into international cinema i definitely definitely recommend it how about you um so we have a second episode so i'm gonna watch i'm gonna tell you more about the stuff that yeah. i've seen so I'll just say I watched uh, Ant-Man 1 and 2. I'd never seen the second one, Wasp. Um, I like the first one. The first one's fun. Wasp, you know, it's, it's you know, it, it's, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's okay. You know? You know? <laughs> you know? I, I mean, hey, I, you know, you guys know it. better I'm, than Doctor the, Strange 2. 
you guys know I have the Marvel bar, fatigue, but we'll, we'll, we'll talk about, no, we'll talk about Ant-Man, because I, I really wanted, I went to the movie trying to have fun this week, so you gotta listen to Ant-Man, yeah, I'll tell too. you what else I've been watching. Um, I guess I'll say one other thing, which is Kunk on Earth on Netflix. I started, oh yeah, started that's on it. my list. I like it, yeah, I mean, not every joke kunk hits as well as others, and I do mm. Kunk on Earth, and I do wish I got more of the interviews. Yeah, it's with a <laughs> she K, She gets these amazing people, and she asks them like daily show type questions in the interview. Um, it's, it's just a comedy show. She says some funny shit. She says something like, it's hard to, she's like in this ancient, old ancient ruined city. And she's like, it's hard to believe I'm standing in the site of the first ever city on the world because I'm not. That's in Iraq, which is miles away. And it's fucking dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> so she does the segment about it. And she's like, no, nope, I'm here instead. But let me tell you about it. It's funny. Anyway, um, okay. So, so exciting people. Thanks so much for listening to our episode on All Quiet on the Western Front. Let's see if it's gonna win a million Oscars. Who knows, who cares? Can't wait to do Ant-Man with you guys right now. Check out our feed, people. Like, subscribe, review. See you next time, film fans. Thank you, Philippines. Good night. Philippines, just keep saying. (laughs)